Hey you, yeah you, love the show and want more content? Well now you have the opportunity to help support the show through Apple subscriptions and Patreon. You'll get a shout out on the show and you'll also have exclusive access to not one, but two extra quick take episodes every week. Just subscribe through Apple Podcasts or head over to MultiplayerSquad.com to see our Patreon page. We appreciate the love and support that you have all shown us. Now on to what is sure to be our greatest episode ever. Hello everyone and welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. If you are new to the show, we are two dads who love to game together, and we release two family-friendly podcasts each week. Every other Monday, we have a deep dive episode, like we do today, where we break down a single game over the course of an hour or so. We would like to ask you to please consider supporting the show through Apple subscriptions or Patreon. For just a couple of dollars a month, you can help fund our two-man operation over here, and you will also get access to two extra Quick Take episodes every week, the first of which are already available and have gone live. All right, it's time for some introductions. I am your host, Paul, and as always, I am joined by my co-host and one of my closest friends. We got to spend dozens of hours together as logistics and efficiency experts playing Satisfactory. He's the employee of the planet. It's Josh. I won! <laughs> Man, it was some stiff competition there. Mm. But, you know, yep. Paul, I will say this. Satisfactory reaffirmed our friendship because we'll get into it, but it's one of those games where if you don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, it could definitely lead to some awkward moments. But you would definitely I, spell trouble. You and I were like chocolate and peanut butter, man. We just <laughs> we just complimented each other so well. We fit right into those grooves. You know, kind of like this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we we are a good team and we played a lot of oh satisfactory. <laughs> we we somehow managed to unlock uh, everything in the game. We hit the point where the game says You've reached the end of early access. We will be adding more, but there's nothing else to upgrade in the Space Needle, but we'll get to all that later. But I did notice that when I completed that, because I was the one who submitted it, it did give me an achievement, Employee of the Planet. So, you know, I kind of, you know, packed that one away in the back of my mind, and I thought, I'll I'll give that to Josh when it comes time. I feel like I earned that, though, Paul. (laughs) Yes. All right. So before we jump into all things satisfactory, I think you've got a couple of reviews. I do have a couple of reviews. We talk about it all the time, but hey, my my plea, my plea, wait, wait, plea, pleading, plead, pleading, pleading, shameless begging, pleading. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) My pleading worked um, because we got like three or four new reviews just since the last episode, which was incredible. Um, so I've got two. And I saw one name drops you also for why they well, of course, finally left I'm her. I'm going to read that one, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just get that out of the way, shall we? <laughs> this first one comes in from Put Out the Fire, and it's titled, I Won't Be Lazy. Okay, okay, okay. Josh told me to stop being lazy, so I am finally writing a review after months of listening. This is one of the few podcasts I listen to, and I don't miss an episode, even if it's not necessarily a topic I care about. Paul and Josh have a way of making it entertaining. I enjoy the fact that they are maybe a little bit older guys with families (laughs) that just enjoy playing video games. Keep up the great work, gents. 
Oh, that's very nice. And you know, we probably are a little older than a lot of our listeners, but you know, we're we're well seasoned gaming veterans, right? The, the respectful term are OGs, Paul. OGs. There OG, you go. Yes, that's the way yes. of saying like old <laughs> old people that are still playing games. Um, and <laughs> then the gentlemen. second <laughs> the second one comes in from Happy Harrison 06. It's titled "Greatest Podcast I've Heard." And he says, I love this podcast and the hosts in it. The Discord community is also so great. Keep up the great work, guys. Ooh, I really like when our listeners can do our shameless plugs for us. So oh, yeah, come, so come join the Discord. It's free. Come join the community, everyone. We'd love to have you. Yeah, the community is awesome. I say it all the time. I It's not just because I'm very chatty and love just having people to talk to all the time. But man, what a great group of people of all ages from all over the world. It's amazing. If you're not in the Discord server, what are you even doing? (laughs) And apparently, as some of the people have told us, we are some of the rare podcasts where us as the hosts are active in the Discord server. So, you know, we chat with our listeners. It's not like it's just on cruise control. We're actively in there. You're in there a little bit more than me. I think I've <laughs> dropped in the ranks down to like number seven out of you know our, our couple hundred people in there. I think you're still number one, but am, we are very active. I am number one. Nobody will ever beat me. <laughs> I do talk a lot, for better or for worse, for everybody. I Like mm-hmm. I said, I like to talk, so... <laughs> All right. Well, very nice. You know, we definitely appreciate the reviews. You know, make sure to subscribe to the show. Leave us a review if you haven't yet. And, you know, come join us on Discord. So there's a link to that in the episode description. All right. Well, Josh, I think it's that time. Let's get into all things satisfactory. Got the description here on Steam. And this is a pretty good one. Satisfactory is a first-person, open-world, factory-building game with a dash of exploration and combat. Play alone or with friends, explore an alien planet, create multi-story factories, and enter conveyor belt heaven. Yes! End of description. Now, it's not always heaven (laughs) when I'm building your factory. This is where Josh comes in as the organizer, but, you know, conveyor belt heaven might be over-speaking if I'm in the world with you. It, it could, it's either heaven or hell, Paul. It's, it's yes. one of those two, depending on who put the conveyor belts down. <laughs> All right. So this is one of those games that has so much to offer. There is so much to talk about and discuss. So I think maybe it's just best if we start at the very beginning, you know, so we just read the description there. I think that tells you a fair amount. But when you first drop into Satisfactory, loading up the game, you know, what's going on? What's the backstory? What are you doing here in this world? You are an like a, a space explorer guy that you're working for the Fixit Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume you're some sort of planetary explorer, and you're trying to find resources on this planet that you can then send up to the Fixit Corporation to make them money. I, I guess. I, I mean, I at first I thought maybe we were trying to escape the planet, which would make sense. But then I'm like, wait a minute, we have all this technology. If we wanted to escape, yeah. that would not be an issue. So shoot yourself I, through the space needle. Right. Yes. Which <laughs> space I still want to try, by the way, they need to put that in the game. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a gigantic world. It It's beautiful. I mean, the graphics are really good. You get a, 
like a lady that comes over your intercom and kind of tells you, hey, you know, you're working for the Fixit Corporation. Make sure you set up a hub and then why don't you scan the area for, you know, minerals and stuff like that so you can get to building. Um, she says it much better than I do, but that's the gist of it. Uh, and then, yeah, you just kind of go around. You start looking for stuff. You don't have any clue what you're doing at first. But, man, does that change quick. <laughs> what a nice segue, Josh, because I wanted to ask you what your initial impressions were of this game. And I was also going to offer mine. Because you, me, and our friend Todd, we all played Satisfactory together. And you two had played before me. So you each had your own solo experience. I fired up a brand new world. I played for about eight minutes and then just saved it and waited until we could all log in. And I was so freaking lost (laughs) trying to play this game when you and Todd were already like medium experts in Satisfactory. Yeah, it was a little... I'll be honest. It's one of those things where we generally don't let on what we think about a game right. right away. And I was really trying to get a read on you, Paul, when you were hopping in and Todd and I were building things and we're automating everything and we're doing this. And you're just kind of going like, guys, what? where do I go? What do I do? What is this? Like, do, does this yeah. thing need fuel over here? Why is this thing not running? Like, I don't get it. And then I was like, Paul's going to hate this game, man. I, like, he's just not going <laughs> to like it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like the mechanics and the the world. I remember you kept asking me, like, what's the point of this? Like, Josh, yeah. what's the point of this game? And I kind of went, there's not really a point. Like, you build your factory. <laughs> and you were like, so wait, there's no story? Mm-hmm. And I just went, like, no, there's no story, Paul. And then <laughs> in my mind, I was like, Paul hates it. <laughs> he hates it already. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I would not say I hated it in the early hours, but it was just so funny because this game definitely has a pretty steep learning curve, and there's a lot of jargon in this game. And so when you and Todd were like, oh yeah, Paul, just put up a constructor over there and just connect it to my biomass burner, and I'm like, uh, how, how do I build something? Like, I didn't know. <laughs> and the game also kind of like splits and divides how you can build things. So... Sometimes you just press Q and that opens up your building menu where you can like build buildings, but then some things you have to open and use a craft bench, but then other things you have to use an equipment workshop. And it was just so confusing in the beginning. But I mean, in the first like four hours we played, Josh, I didn't even try to connect anything to power because you guys kept blowing fuses. It sounded very intimidating to me. I thought this game was far more difficult than it is. It's actually pretty user-friendly, but you kind of have to just dive in and learn those mechanics. And it took me a little while to catch up to you and Todd. The biggest disservice we did to you was having you hop into a world that was already going. And even though we were in the very early stages of that world... Not having the lady kind of walk you through what each thing is in the beginning really puts you at a disadvantage because she teaches (laughs) you like how to build something. She teaches you that you can tear it down. She teaches you the very basics of everything that you need to know. And then all of that stuff kind of builds on itself. But you coming in blind to all of that. I I yeah. I knew I was just like we shouldn't have done this to Paul like let's start a new world like this is a bad idea man. <laughs> but then you picked it up pretty quick. I do remember we gave you uh 
like limestone to make mm-hmm. like concrete and stuff. And I remember you just oh, kind of yeah. ran off. You found a little area and sure. we were like, Paul will figure it out. And once he does, he'll be up to speed at that point. And you did like, it didn't take very long. No, no. And once it clicks, it clicks like this game operates incredibly well. It's actually quite intuitive once you kind of learn how everything works. So I remember you and Todd had these crazy factories already going and it took me like 40 minutes to get my little limestone concrete factory going. (laughs) But I was very proud. Like once it was up and running, it's like, okay, now I get how this game operates. I feel like you're Tom Hanks in Castaway where you're standing over the fire and then he's like, look what I have made. I have made made fire. fire. (laughs) Paul's just going like, with concrete. I'm making concrete. (laughs) Pumping out concrete bags by the dozens. Yes. So, you know, let's uh, let's kind of divide the game up a little bit, because like the description said, there's production elements, exploration, combat, but really the bread and butter of this game is building factories. So I guess if you wanted to say the storyline or the overall drive is that you're going to mine this planet of every possible resource <laughs> that you can get your hands on. This planet is peaceful, it's got wildlife, it's got waterfalls, and we are going to cover this planet with factories. We've got, we're going to be mining minerals, we're going to be smelting it into ingots and building it into other stuff. That really is the core base of the game. So let's talk a little bit about like the production of this game. Kind of like, what's the goal in that regard? Yeah, so the main gameplay loop in this game is that you start with you know acquiring raw minerals right so there will be an ore node there's a copper node there's limestone those are all at it right yeah and you by hand yep you chip at them until you get enough you can plop down a little portable miner but it only mines like uh, a certain amount before it's just kind of full and it doesn't do anything else and then you take those minerals you can then craft like a smelter right so you got to take this raw ore and you got to turn it into like ingots okay so iron ingots or copper ingots and then you have to run those ingots through another piece of machinery that will then convert them into any number of random like not random things but things like uh metal rods metal sheets uh you know screws but but actually, I don't think you can make screws straight from ingots. You have to go metal rods into screws. And so that's where the complexity of this game really starts to come into play. Because you start very simple. Hey, I got a smelter. I can make iron ingots. I can take these ingots and I can make something simple. And then... It's like, oh, okay, well, you need screws to make this next thing. But to make screws, you have to make metal rods. And then those metal rods have to feed into something which will then convert them into screws. And you go like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're like, great, okay, I'm making this. And now you can build some new piece of machinery or piece of tech or something that you need. But then, man, before you know it, you need reinforced plates. And how do you make reinforced plates? Well, you take metal plates and screws and combine those together in another piece of machinery. (laughs) Yep. And it gets more and more and more complex, right? So the whole crafting system is that in the beginning, you're collecting things by hand, but then pretty soon you start building these things 
which are going to take your raw minerals and make something more complex. And the game has several base resources. So you're mining not just iron, but you also have limestone, quartz. I mean, it even goes into things like uranium that you find in this game, which don't have a place in the beginning, but it does later in the game. And so basically you're going to collect this material and then start to build bigger and better things with it, which are then going to help you to explore the world and and engage in combat, things of that nature. So another big element of this game is power. And in the beginning, you're really relying on these things called biomass burners. And so we'll talk a little bit more about the the progression in just a minute. But do you want to talk a little bit about how power plays a role in all this? It's the bane of existence, man. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to power everything. and. These biomass burners, basically, you you chuck leaves and wood and alien organs and anything that you can kind of find that's, you know, biological, that <laughs> right, that burns, yeah. and you chuck it in there, and it kind of chews it up, and it burns it, and it makes energy, and then you connect... The, you connect the biomass burner to your other machines, and then it powers those, and then they can run. But what happens is the machines use power... And then the leaves and the wood and whatever else you put in the biomass burner will run out over time. And so, like, leaves burn up really fast. So you can throw leaves in there, but you're coming back a minute later to put more leaves in. Wood burns slower, so but wood's a little bit harder to come by. And so there's that whole, like, level of really easy to get but burns up really quick, harder to get but burns much longer I like that aspect a lot because something that's just one small facet of the game, like power, has like eight different things that will affect just the biomass burners. And that's not talking about future tech that we can get into in a little bit. But yeah, the other issue is, is that you can't power too many things because if you do, just like in real life, you'll blow a fuse. <laughs> Yeah, there's limits to how much power you can draw. Right, and it's loud. When it blows a fuse, you hear it. It's like, and then everything shuts down, and then you're just like, oh, no, what? Oh, man. (laughs) So one of the neat things is that you have to build these power poles, which you can then connect with the power lines. And the great thing about Satisfactory is that everything like that snaps into place very easily. It's so it the sounded, best. yeah, it sounded very intimidating, but actually you plop down a biomass burner, you chuck in some leaves, you build a power pole, and then you just click on a power line and you're going to click from the burner to the pole and then the pole to whatever needs power. And every single thing that requires power has got a big giant red light at the top. And as soon as you connect it, it turns green to go on. And if anything shuts down, they all turn red. So what was really funny in the beginning, though, is that we all kind of had our own separate areas. You were kind of building your stuff. Todd was building his stuff. I'm building some of my stuff. We had biomass burners all over the place. (laughs) And they were constantly running out. It was the ugliest thing. (laughs) It was such a nuisance. And honestly, this is probably what held me back in the beginning, because at least I understood oh, I can just take this chainsaw, chop down a bunch of trees, and then I can just throw this stuff in the biomass burners. And I spent a lot of time just simply gathering fuel and kind of letting you and Todd build the early factory. And then I ended up kind of catching up later. But a lot of the early gameplay is really just managing your power. And it actually is, it's a very needy system. It's very high maintenance in the beginning. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's kind of rightfully so. Uh, that's again, that's one of the things that I like about this game is even though it is busy work, it makes sense. And it's you're managing this. So the more efficient and that's where you start. I think you start to get a glimpse of efficiency in this game. Because like you said, our biomass burners were spread out all over the place. We had three almost like mini bases all near each other that were spread out all over the place. So having to run from one area to the next area to the next area to feed these burners and then just run that loop again was very inefficient. And we started to recognize that very early on. And that is where I think this game majorly excels is in your ability to learn just by playing like oh, you yeah. don't have to be smart right you don't have to have like an engineering mind to realize like there's probably a better way yeah and, and so then the game also has all of these logistics that are going to automate a lot of this work so in the beginning you're collecting materials you're running up to a craft bench selecting what you want to build you kind of hammer away at it and you're, you're building things but then pretty soon you're connecting everything which is powered with conveyor belts. So here's where you get to enter conveyor belt heaven. You know, do you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about the belts, the lifts, the mergers, the splitters, how all that works? It's great because, again, the game divides things into production, right? Smelters, uh, constructors, assemblers, manufacturers, these things that take raw components and turn them into other things. You know, the you get foundries that you know, create different kinds of metal and stuff like that. So you have like this base thing that goes on, you have the production element, but if you produce things and don't know how to move them around, that doesn't do you any good. So the logistics in this game are phenomenal. And I know logistics sounds like a big word because it's like, well, I hear this on Amazon and FedEx and, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) UPS What what is logistics, right? It's just moving (laughs) things from one place to another. But in this game, they make that so like nice to do. It's actually fun. It is fun. Like goofy that sounds like that's part of the fun of the game is going like, okay, if I have this over here and I run this conveyor belt to that thing, then this will it'll feed out iron and then it'll the conveyor belts will take that iron to the smelter over here so that I don't have to tote it over there and then It'll spit out the other side, but that'll go on a conveyor belt that then feeds into a constructor, which automates the making of these screws and plates for me. So now I don't have to stay at the workbench and do this and hammer away. It's all automated now. Like, yay. (laughs) And here's where you can get super creative and where everything starts to get automated. So you can build splitters. So, for example, you've got a miner, which is pulling out all this raw iron ore. Well, then I can split it into three different conveyor belts. Each of those conveyor belts now has a smelter, turning them into ingots. And then maybe I even split the ingots, and now I can have one feed into a constructor to make plates, another one making rods, and then my rods I might split in half, and half of those are being made into screws, and the other half are going somewhere else. And pretty soon, you've got it completely automated where you're going from ore all the way to building supercomputers, literally, in this giant factory. And a lot of it is just kind of managing your efficiency, managing your power, and then also figuring out where your chokeholds are. So if I have a smelter that's pumping out these ingots super quick, 
but now my ingots are all getting backed up. You know, maybe this is where I can build some splitters and then, you know, have them do multiple things at once. But then you can also have lines merge together. So, you know, it's very neat in how you are constantly tinkering with your factory, trying to make it more efficient and having it do all this hard work for you through everything being automated. And, you know, organization, we don't need to spend very much time on. But that's probably the hardest thing in this now, game. Now, 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 Paul. Organization it's, it's is very, very important. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. It is nearly impossible if you play this game multiplayer. This suffers from exactly the same problems that we always have in Rust, is that we're all going to organize things differently. So we ended up, our factory, you know, by the end, we had, I don't know, 20 industrial storage units all lined up, and it was just kind of a mess. Like, this one box has got quartz and it's got concrete and it's got these oscillators but then there's also oscillators in this other crate so the organization is kind of tough especially multiplayer yeah it's it really is now that's one thing we didn't talk about either is this game has your production elements it's got your logistics elements and then it's got your storage elements too so they mm-hmm. give you the ability to make these storage containers and you know, that way you can have a, a conveyor belt feed straight into a storage container and it just sits there and waits. The stuff that, you know, comes off the conveyor belt is in this nice little storage container now. But one of the things that we have to mention is that they do such a good job of letting you build things in a way that makes sense and is organized and lines up with each other. Like if you were about to build a new storage container, let's say if you, it, it kind of creates like a hologram of where it's going to go. Right. And you can see through that and it will, it has a little line in the middle that will tell you, Hey, this is the center point and it's meshing up with the center point of your conveyor belt. So it's just the most intuitive, like building thing I have seen in a game like ever in a game that's all about building these gigantic factories that are multi-level with tons and tons of different machines all working together. It's so crucial that it does that, but man, they make it easy to build in this game, which is so important for the type of game that it is. Oh, they, yeah, absolutely. And the conveyor belts only run in one direction, but every building that you have makes it very clear. You've got these giant arrows that show where things feed in and where things feed out and the conveyor belts, just like the power lines, they snap right into place. So it's not hard to place these things. Now, one thing that is a little bit goofy about this, and it's not something that I have a problem with, but I imagine some people probably do is that your conveyor belts can clip through yeah. landscape. They can I mean, clip thankfully, through right? anything. <laughs> yes. So basically, you can click on a conveyor belt. All right, go ahead and take something here, and then I'm going to attach it somewhere else in the factory. And if that is a straight line that literally just goes through trees and mountains, all of those little items, you'll watch them on the conveyor belt. They just go right through the landscape, and they'll keep following that conveyor belt. It doesn't stop on anything. The only thing that the conveyor belts make you do is they don't let it clip through your own buildings. So you can't run it right through the middle of a smelter. So you sometimes have to kind of angle and move around it. But the game sacrifices a little bit of the real life physics for making it 
an easier and a more fun system to use. I was going to say, it's definitely a convenience thing. I don't mind that the physics in that regard are not proper. Like, like you mentioned, they do a good job of saying, Hey, you can't build a conveyor belt through a building. But if these two conveyor belts crisscross, like that's okay. Because otherwise it would be just a pain in the butt to try to find room for all that. And I mean, they do give you like conveyor lifters, which will, you know, take things and then lift them up, you know, to another level or down to another level, because this game is very vertical in a lot of ways as well. Um, And something about the conveyor lifters that we figured out, funny enough, was we were trying... (laughs) (laughs) I felt so stupid. This sounds... This is going to sound so stupid. It sounds terrible, but... These lifters are are kind of small, like it goes in one end, it lifts up, and you can kind of direct the direction that it spits out the top at. And we were going from the base of a mountain up to the top of a mountain that it was pretty high up there. And so this was a big project. I was like, Paul, I got it. I made 30 of these conveyor lifters and stacked them all on top of each other to get to the top of this mountain. I was so proud of myself, man. I did it. It lined up perfect. Like It was great. It was functional. It was. It worked. It (laughs) cost us a lot of materials because everything you build in this game costs something. And then randomly, like five minutes later, I was going to put a lifter down and I accidentally clicked my mouse button too long while I was dragging. And it (laughs) it showed that you can extend one conveyor lifter like super far. So where I had built 30 of these things to get to the top, it literally only took like three of them to actually yeah. do it. And then I was just like, oh my goodness. I, we were, I don't know, 50 hours into this game. Yeah. It, this would it, have been like the equivalent of building a conveyor belt one square at a time <laughs> and going over a long distance. And then finally we realized, oh my goodness, this is so basic. But, you know, we, we try to avoid spoilers and content online we want to just experience it right and there are so many things like that that we finally discovered over the course of the game i remember at one point i asked you guys is there any way i can just auto move everything of one material like i just want to get rid of all my concrete can i do that and you guys are like no you just got to click and drag and then later i did cheat a little bit and i looked up beginner tips for satisfactory and sure enough if you hold shift and click on a material it'll move all of them at once. So would there have been are, nice to know. Would have been nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, believe it or not, we're actually already halfway through this episode, Josh. So let's go ahead and take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, guys. This episode of the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast is brought to you by Logitech. You have the opportunity to help support the show and also get some awesome gaming accessories to help maintain your competitive edge while gaming. I actually use a Logitech G413 backlit keyboard, actually bought it with my own money back in 2017, long before the show, and it's still running great. Uh, Actually, as I'm looking around, I also have a Logitech webcam, and they sell so much more than that. They have tablet keyboards, they've got mice, speakers, Bluetooth accessories, all kinds of stuff that you might need for your PC or for mobile devices. So you can actually head on over to multiplayerpodcast.com slash Logitech store, and that'll forward you right to their website. Thanks so much for your guys' support. Now let's get back to the show. All right, we are back. 
All right, so the description that I read earlier did mention that the game has a dash of exploration and combat. I think that's probably the right word for it. This game is very deep into the production and the logistics side of things. These areas are a little bit lighter, but let's talk a little bit about the combat. Um, It's serviceable. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it adds, in my opinion, the, the combat adds an awful lot to the game. It does create a sense of danger. There are hostile life forms that are on the planet. If you come across them, they get mad at you. Some of them, you know, will attack you. Other ones, you know, don't. Like, there's some things that are just really cool to come across, you know, a la No Man's Sky almost, where it's like they just live there, but they could care less that you're there. But other ones are like, hey, get off my planet. And they will start shooting fireballs at you. They will charge (laughs) you and knock you off of cliffs and up into the air. Uh, You know, there's these creepy little spider things that, you know, that are down in caves and stuff like that. So I do like the fact that that exists. You do have to be able to defend yourself. So there are weapons in this game as well. The -hmm. combat is nothing to write home about, but it's perfectly serviceable for what the game is. Like, honestly, even though it's not like fleshed out a ton, I really enjoy the fact that there's that sense of danger and that you're like, I can't just go wandering off. I better make sure I have a weapon with me. And, oh, no, I've got like five of these things on me. Paul, come help, you know, yeah. and then you come running over or something like that. So even though it, like I said, it's not it's not tweaked a ton. I really love the aspect that it's in the game. Yeah, I would say the combat is a little bit more harrowing in the very beginning because you don't have a whole lot of food to heal yourself. You don't have very good weapons, but pretty soon you're crafting because in the beginning you've got your little Xeno zapper or whatever it's (laughs) It's called. And then pretty soon, (laughs) yes, like a little portable bug zapper. Yeah. And then pretty soon you're building like a much longer, almost like an, an electrified sword that you're running around with and you're building I mean, some some pretty dinky firearms to begin with where you can shoot out like basically it's like a nail gun. But then pretty soon, you know, you craft a rifle and especially once you've got a rifle crafted, everything basically dies immediately. The combat is really no danger in this game, except for the very beginning. Honestly, your biggest enemy in this game is gravity. Oh, if you're going to die in this game, it's probably due to falling. Yep. Yep, I have. Josh, died do you know anything many... about that? No, I knew. Do you know you anything about fall damage, <laughs> Josh? <laughs> I okay. So we mm-hmm. we haven't even talked about the research tree, but you get to research things as well, right? So it and we researched parachutes, yep. and I'm like, Paul, I'm not going to die anymore. I'm not going to fall to my death. We have parachutes now. We take these parachutes out. We're exploring. We're there's this gigantic cliff. We're like, hey, we'll just jump off of this thing. We got to float over that direction. You go, okay. And I see you. You jump. You pop your parachute. You're gliding peacefully through the, the beautiful alien planet of Satisfactory. Mm-hmm. I Enjoying jump the off scenery. the ledge. I go to hit my parachute. I hear it like pop, but then it goes away instantly. Uh-huh. And I fall to my death <laughs> right away. <laughs> Several times in Several a row. Times. I don't know. I don't know what your problem was with the parachutes. I, it might have something to do with you remapping all of your keys. This is my only guess because Josh, all you had to do 
for at least for me is to just fall off a ledge and hit space bar and I'm just floating forever. Yeah. Well, I did not understand. Every time we had used parachutes, you died and I would have to go res you like every single time. It was only three or four times, Paul. Like it, it was three or four honesty, times on that one journey. I, okay. <laughs> I did figure out. And that's why, so you are partly to blame on this because you said all you got to do is hit spacebar. Well, I jumped, I hit spacebar, my parachute deployed and it went away right away. So on my, I don't, it was my key bindings, but I had to push and hold spacebar to keep nice. my parachute deployed. So we finally figured that out, but, oh, that was funny. You were, you were mocking me so bad. <laughs> it was every time because I would be, floating toward our destination you'd be like you're gonna have to come rest me and i would turn and <laughs> here's your body plummeting you know beneath me but well, you know the the, the parachutes that that part did throw me off for a minute because they don't make it super clear the parachutes are one-time use only and so you can actually equip a stack of parachutes but it's very easy to accidentally trigger those yeah even just Jumping. falling five feet at a time you might accidentally activate a parachute and before you know it you've gone through you know however many you've already crafted yeah so you know we uh we'll have to get into our regular segments here in just a moment but this is where i did want to talk a little bit about the progression in the game so you mentioned that there's an, an element of research so there's a couple of ways that you do that in this game you have your hub terminal which is kind of like your main home base building. And inside that, there's a bunch of tiers of, uh, of research that will unlock a whole bunch of recipes at once. And so it'll basically tell you, select your milestone, you click it, it tells you what you have to collect, and once you've collected all those things, you go ahead and put it in the machine, and now it's going to give you all of those recipes as your reward. And so there are currently eight tiers of research each tier has multiple milestones but you can't go straight to the final end game content it's all gate kept by the space elevator and the space elevator is like the first thing in this game that's like a showstopper yeah Do you want to talk a little bit about the space elevator it's pretty cool man like you said you you work for these tiers it's kind of cool that instead of steady progression they give you these big chunks of progression and so that mm -hmm. makes it really exciting like when you unlock one of these milestones um but you know they're quick to tell you once you get the basics down like hey you need to build this space elevator that's like the next big thing so that you can really advance your your production and you know your evolution in this game or whatever i don't know that you know you can you can move forward with whatever your job with fix it is a lot faster so it takes a ton of stuff to craft this. So it seems like a daunting task, but you build this thing and it is monstrous, man. Like, yeah, it, when, you know, I told you anytime you build something, the hologram appears and you just kind of, you think you're glitching out at first and you're like, <laughs> whoa, like, oh man, this like, and then you realize how big this thing really is. And then when you finally construct it, it just, it takes it like because it's huge, right? So it takes a little bit to construct, and then this thing starts like opening up, and this big thing shoots into space, and these gigantic robotic arms clamp into it. It's just a really neat thing to sit there and watch. I, I mean, all three of us just kind of stopped, and we were like, "Whoa, like that's pretty cool." Yeah, I mean, it's literally an elevator that goes from the ground out into orbit. Yes. So this thing shoots all the way into the sky, which was also really neat because as you explore. 
Sometimes, you know, you kind of had to get your bearings. Once you have that space elevator, it doesn't matter where you are on the map. You always know where your home location is and, and you can see it from anywhere else. And I thought that was very neat. Um, so basically the space elevator is kind of like your gatekeeper. You've got to put a ton of materials. And once you finish that, that'll unlock your next tiers out of your hub. So basically you're kind of learning things through both. But then there's also another thing in the game called the MAM, which is the Molecular Analysis Machine. And as you find new materials, basically you can kind of stick them into this machine and it'll teach you other recipes and you can unlock you know, more technology that you can use in the game. This tends to be where you unlock things like the weapons, some of the vehicles, things of that nature. It's like the research part of it. Like, honestly, that's really yeah. the, the easiest way to put it is it's stuff like the parachutes. You don't get parachutes until you research something in the, in the mom or the ma'am or whatever it is. Um, and so when you're out in the world exploring, which is a part of this game, and you find something new, you bring it back and you research it, and then that will unlock like a research tree and then it'll tell you, hey, here's the next thing that you need to find or that you'll get from this research. And so you get to see like that progression path as well. So it's not just like learning new buildings and new machines and stuff like that. But it's the it's the cool part of, like, hey, I just researched, you know, this, uh, like you said, that you get a better bug zapper sword or the parachutes or lots and lots of other things that we don't want to spoil. But it's just a very neat compliment to everything else that's going on in the game. It feels more personal, I guess, like the the research station. Yeah. In my opinion versus like the big milestones you get with your factory from using like the space needle. Yeah. So, we haven't talked about anything that's too far into the game. So, I would say if you I don't know if it really counts as a spoiler, but I did think it would be fun to talk about some of the more advanced things that come up in the game. Is anything in particular that kind of stands out to you that you'd want to talk about? I mean, you do get vehicles. I don't think that's spoilery. Yeah. You don't get them right away, <laughs> but you do get them. And when you, yeah, when you get them, you're really glad, right? You're like, oh, man, finally, I don't have to like run around everywhere. And you get this like box-looking farm tractor thing that you're so excited to get. And then you realize, like, this thing kind of sucks. <laughs> I was so disappointed because you kept saying, yeah, let's build these tractors and then we'll start exploring for the first time. I was like, oh, great. And those tractors, they take a ton of fuel, first of all. I learned that the hard way. And then secondly, they are so slow. I mean, yeah, I don't they... know what the run speed is compared to the vehicle. I feel like maybe it's like... 1.5 or two times as fast. It's, now, they're not very quick in the beginning. They just, they need, they need time. It's like a train. They need time to get going when they, <laughs> when they're, when you give them time on flat terrain, they go zero to 60 in like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. They're <laughs> but very don't try slow. to go up a hill. Don't try to go over any rocks with them. Um, but they do serve a purpose in that they, they let you move a lot of stuff from one location to the other. And that's important because inventory space is another challenge in this game. Um, but yeah, I, I thought getting vehicles for the first time was really cool. Like, I, what about oh, you? Yeah. I know there's some pretty advanced tech out there that that really makes the game a lot more convenient. But was there something that stood out to you? Yeah, definitely. So we have already kind of, you know, complained a little bit about those biomass burners to produce power. This game changes so dramatically once you research coal factories. 
because this is the first time you can fully automate your power. Because prior to that, you either have to go out with a chainsaw, you've got to forage and bring that stuff back, which you can burn. Once you unlock coal, that's a really big milestone because it's it's fully automated, but it's also the first time that you start moving fluids. So in order to use a coal factory, you have to be able to mine coal, have a conveyor belt, feed it into the factory, but you also have to have water because as you burn the coal, it's going to boil the water, which is going to turn the turbines and produce power. And so you have to build these giant water, um, whatever they're called, your water extractor, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which has to be in very deep water. And then you've got to run that water through these pipes, but all of that can be automated. And at that point, it, it almost turned into an idle game. So for those listeners out there, if you've ever played these games where something just runs by itself and you just have to wait until you get what you need, it, it reached a point after Cole that I felt like our progression really grew exponentially because I would just leave Satisfactory on all day while working. And a few hours later, you've got a whole ton of materials which you can use to basically advance your game. And it really did take off at that point. Yeah, it, it that's kind of a neat a neat time in the game because, like you said, you finally get to where you're not needing to babysit your power grid and stuff like that. And this is also the time in the game where we scrapped our entire base. Yeah, <laughs> right. We move halfway across the planet, and this is a big map. I mean, that's not something that we've talked about, but the exploration in this. It's fun and it serves a purpose because you will find much better, like mineral rich areas that are probably much more conducive to having a base on than the beginning area. So that's something where we outgrew our area. We knew we had to move. We knew we needed to find water and coal and all that. And so a big part of this game is tearing down your entire base. You get all of the stuff back that you use to build, but I mean, that's a huge daunting task, but then it's really, really cool because you take everything that you've learned over the last 20 or 30 hours, and then when we got our new base, it was like you and I were engineering geniuses, Paul, with the yeah. exception of the the conveyor lifter thing. I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that. But otherwise, <laughs> you and I... I mean, I, dude, I was super impressed. We mapped out this whole thing. You were doing all kinds of crazy math to figure out how many times you had to split something you know, to get the optimal production, you know, I was saying, Hey, if we feed these into storage bins, then we can reconfigure without having to tear everything down, you know, in the future, because you do need to produce different things. I was super proud of that base we built, man. It was, it was legit. And that is such a great thing that they did in this game that you can tear anything down and you get every single resource back. There is no risk to building or trying anything in this game. Everything is reversible. The only thing that you lose is just time, you know, if you have to rebuild stuff. But you never have to go re-collect new materials to build. So there were constantly things that we would tinker and mess around with. And, oh, this didn't quite fit, so let's just tear it down and move it over here. Where you can even have a massive factory, and you're just going to middle mouse click everything. And then it's all going to go in your inventory and you can go move and completely build from scratch again. And I think that that part of the game is just so crucial because if you had to just lose everything, I think the game would get rather frustrating. Whereas satisfactory to me never once felt frustrating. 
Yeah. No, I agree 100%. The only thing that is like you're limited by your inventory space, right? Like I remember tearing down our base and that's why the tractor was so important, right? Because it's like we have all these materials and you can only hold so much. So the storage bin on the tractors was very handy to have, you know, that kind of thing. But then again, you can research larger inventories and stuff too. So everything in this game just fits it intermingles with each other so well. It's just, yeah. it's it's hard to describe. I mean, you guys know, right? I'm not a builder. When we play Rust, I don't build the base. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, when we play anything, like, I don't build that stuff, man. And for this game to be so focused on, like, 80% of it is building and organizing and logistics and stuff like that, it makes it so, like, fun to do and so good to do that even for me... It was just, it was awesome, man. It was so just intuitive in the way that you can build this stuff out. A thousand percent. Yeah. The only last thing that I do want to mention, well, actually, I guess two things. We we talked a little bit about some world-defying physics. The one thing that I do have to say is, I would have never done this if you didn't know, Josh. We had built our primary, our second base, base 2.0, as I kept calling it. It was on this cliff where down below there was like the water that we could mine and, you know, things like that. You just started building foundations with no supports underneath. These are just <laughs> floating right off the edge of the cliff. And we just built, it's science, I don't know, Paul. like a 100 by 100 grid, probably even bigger than that. And it's just completely floating in the air. It was, it was almost like impressive. we had this factory in the clouds, <laughs> which science. did make me laugh. It's science. <laughs> but one of the neat things is you get to build hyper tubes in the game. And at first I thought this was like where you just shoot items, like instead of a conveyor belt. Once I realized, Oh, this is transportation. That was really cool because you no longer needed to like run and climb up things. You know, you can actually shoot yourself through these tubes and you can very quickly zip, you know, from the ground all the way up to our base in the sky. And I thought that was very neat. And the last thing I did want to mention is that I thought I was being smart and clever because our first base was right next to a uranium node. Oh, and if that you got close, so funny, dude. <laughs> if you got close to the uranium, you take radiation damage, right? Not a surprise. I thought, well, I'm going to run up. I'm going to mine a bunch of this uranium, and then I'm just going to run away from the node because surely we're going to need uranium later in this game. Well, the game is smart enough that if it's in your pockets, <laughs> it's still radioactive. <laughs> And then what I learned, so I started running away and I still died. And I was like, oh, I guess I didn't get far enough away. Well, then I realized my dead corpse was radioactive because it's still holding yes. the uranium. <laughs> and I couldn't recover my items because I would die too fast. Yeah. Do you remember how, how many times you had to save me from my parachute, Paul? Yeah. Well, I saved you too, buddy. Because I had from to come to your rescue <laughs> because you were like, Josh, I, I can't get my body. And we yeah. also didn't mention that if you die out in the world, the stuff you had on you stays on you. You need to go recover your corpse yep. unless you just want to lose everything, which is you, you can. But you were like, I can't get my body back. I need you to go get this. And then I'm like, well, if I get near your body, I'm going to die. Yeah. But you 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 know, you can eat food to get full health. And so I was like, I had to do this super quick, run up to your corpse, open your inventory, take everything, make sure I had room in my inventory, find the uranium that you had in your pocket, and then chuck it out on the ground and run <laughs> yeah. away before I died. 
<laughs> and I did it, man. I was, I was pretty happy. I think I got through with like a half a health bar, but, and then what was really funny is we're playing like two, three days later and you're running back to our base and you got too close to your old stinky body that yep. was still on the ground where that uranium was. Uranium. And you were like, what, what's happening? I'm, I'm getting irradiated. <laughs> it was, was my like, old oh, body. That's your corpse from like three days ago. And you were like, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that the game would be too stupid. And as soon as it was in my inventory, I thought it would be fine. But they actually thought through that process. Yep. So, you know, later in the game, you get your hazmat suit and you can actually use the uranium as, you know, fuel and fusion power plants. And it, it, it's actually pretty neat. So, all right. So that kind of tells you guys a little bit about We Think. And, you know, at this point in the show, we always read some community reviews from Steam. Josh, what do you have for us? All right. So I I, I pulled three positives and three negatives. Um, And so I'll start with a positive on this one. Now, one thing to remember, this game is still early access, even though it's a very, very full-fledged game. It is technically still in early access. So keep that in mind. But all right, this review, this guy has 1,162 hours on record. Um, okay. And so uh, he says, I'll start mining this iron ore, and then I'll go to bed. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should start making copper wire, <laughs> but then I'm definitely going to bed. Uh, I better make sure they get stored, but then I'm definitely going to bed, I promise. Actually, I better add more power, but then I'm definitely absolutely going to bed, promise times 10. I just have to add some splitters, but then I'm definitely absolutely going to bed. Promise times infinity plus one. (laughs) And before you know it, the sun's coming up. (laughs) You and I did this. Now, it was not late at night, but we played on a Saturday. And legitimately, six hours later, you and I were both going like, I forgot to eat. Uh, I should probably go check on my family. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I I legitimately think that that was the longest I have ever sat and played one game without stopping. Was that, I don't remember if it was a Saturday. I think it was a Saturday. I think it was. And we just played Satisfactory for forever. The game does such a good job of dangling the carrot that you just keep playing. And it's like, okay, I know what I need to do, but I have to tinker this. Well, now that I tinkered this, I have to tinker the thing before it. And... It, it it's still fun. It's a driving force, but yeah, you you can play for very long sessions and completely lose track of time. It sucks you in big time. So, all right. So this one is a negative review, a hundred hours on record, and uh, this guy says it's very stimulating and addictive. Even looks good. I almost stopped playing all my other games, and I now have a hundred hours in Satisfactory. But I always suspected that sooner or later I would get a feeling of pointlessness. After completing the second launch of materials into space, uh, the feeling is there. All it did was unlock even more raw resources and materials to make its work, not entertainment. I will uninstall it now. Okay. He's not exactly wrong in saying and that. That's why because I, I will say, I will say there was a, a, a tinge of that for me when I did the third upgrade in the space elevator. I kind of realized okay, really, I'm just unlocking new tools, which just let me collect new materials to make new tools. It was almost kind of like an endless cycle. Yeah. It, so it, I, I do get that. That's why I pulled that one, because I get it, too, is that you get to a point where it's like, I'm just making things that are harder to make. They're more yeah. complicated to make, and they take 18 machines all in a row and planned out versus 10 machines 
you know, and so there, yeah, you do get to that point. I mean, it's a valid complaint, which is, you know, I, I, I like you said, I don't disagree with this guy. Because right, this prior one- to that, you're constantly learning new mechanics. So, like, the game adds, like I mentioned before, fluids. So, you start pumping oil and you're pumping water for the first time. And so, that feels, like, new and different. But once you kind of have all those basics done, there is a little bit of that feeling of pointlessness. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it becomes, hey, can I make everything more efficient? Can I, you know fix these choke points like i mean there is still a challenge for sure but i think that carrot at the end of the stick is not really there so much anymore yeah yeah all right this one made me chuckle i have to read this review because it's one of the most nonsensical negative reviews i think i've (laughs) ever come across so this guy has 4.8 hours on record and he says, played for five hours, and the HUD is so poorly optimized, it burned into my screen, ruining my Oris 27-inch monitor that I paid 900 bucks for. Thanks, what? guys. Go bleep yourself. Okay. Yeah, that this makes no sense at all. Like, what? Like, how do you blame a game for your monitor going out, man? Like, yeah. I don't even know. All right. I know that has nothing to do with the game, but it was it was in there and I was just like, "Oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me." Yeah, this right. doesn't even make sense. Two very quick uh quick ones here and then we can move on. Uh next one is recommended 342 hours on record. And this guy says, "I'm sure I bought this game 20 minutes ago. What the heck happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, this game's like a time machine. It just it just disappears. Time it, is it just really gone. Does. And then yeah. this one, uh, 141 hours on record. I have never felt it more necessary to completely demolish everything I have done just to make it 10% more efficient. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> yeah. We just talked about moving bases and doing all that. And it's like... But it was fun. You need to it's do it. You're, you're like, yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna build this base so much better than the first one. This game provides a sense of accomplishment far more than most other games do. Yes. It actually makes you feel proud when it you really get to does, build something you that were like, runs Man, well. look what I built. Like I, I called my wife in at one point to try to show her like how <laughs> efficient we made everything, uh-huh. and she was just like, "Yeah, I don't." really care I and say, i don't even know what i'm looking at and it was just like but look at all the conveyor belts and see how they all merge and then they split and she was just like no like cool. i don't get it <laughs> she said i want a divorce yeah. <laughs> she's like man you are such a nerd all right so all right paul that's that's the reviews that's what the community thought and now it's time to play a little game to see if we can predict the overall score or who's going to get closest for satisfactory. So do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, you can go first because last time we each had the same guess and I changed mine and then you won. So right. why don't you go first this time? Okay. All right. I wrote down, I, I think this game has a lot to like about it. I, I mean, it's very well done. I assumed that the rating was going to be very high. I, I went 96%. I don't know if I like overshot the moon, but I 96 was my guess. All right, this is not giving me much room. I wrote down 97%. Did because, you really? Yes. This is one of those games that for years everyone I know who plays it says they love it. They say everyone they know who played it loves it. I think the game is beloved. I don't know why I kept putting it off, but to me the game just functions so well. 
I think it's going to be one of the highest rated games that we've covered. But boy, I was thinking initially 96 or 97. I feel like we've got to be pretty close. 97 is super high. I thought like, man, I That's overshot the really moon, high. But the actual is 97%, Paul. Is it really? It is legit 97%. Two in a row that we guessed spot on. One of yep. us got. We're getting wow. we're professionals at this, man. 97. It's, that That's I wildly high. I think that ties for RimWorld for the highest reviewed, like Steam reviewed game, right? Wasn't RimWorld Pro- 97? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple games that I've seen that are like in that 98 range. I think Celeste, but as far as what we've covered on the show... That might be tied for the highest rated game. It takes an awful lot to please that many people. The other thing that's really crazy about this is I'm telling you right now, I scrubbed through probably 100 negative reviews and 95 of those negative reviews were because it initially linked with Epic, the Epic oh, Game yeah. Store. And uh-huh. people wanted to review bomb this game because the developers had to link to Epic for a little while. And I guess they fixed that. <laughs> it's like fully on Steam now. But legitimately, 95% of the negative reviews were simply, I didn't want to have to deal with Epic Game Store. That's why I bought this on Steam. So in reality, it's really more it's, like a 98, 99. It's legitimately probably a 98, like 99% positive rate on this. Wow, that's wild. All right, Paul. Well, you won, right. and you get the <laughs> immense privilege of introducing our next segment. All right, let's hit that music. Hey, baby. If you were words on a page, you'd be fine print. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Make Love, Marry, or Murder. This is the part of the show where Josh and I each give the game our own rating. Is this a game that we want to marry? Is it marriage material? Or is it make love material, but you don't want to commit? Or is it murder? So, Josh, I have a feeling I know where we're both going to go. We played this game probably more than anything else we've covered on the show. But let's let's make it official. Mary, what are you going to give this Mary, game? Mary, 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 Mary. This game this is marriage material. legit, man. The, I, I mean... I can't I mean I I'm I'm very curious to see where it's going to wind up on the leaderboard but this game is honestly second to none. It's a phenomenal game. It's a long-term game. I mean, we kind of started getting towards the end like we beat early access, but there are some hints that they are going to add like some story quest type stuff to this game if they added like big boss monsters. I mean, there's so much that they could do to add to each different component of this game. I mean, if they do that, this game may not have a rival, you know, at that point. It's unique. You can do multiplayer co-op. I mean, there's very, there's nothing in the game right now that you would point to and say that doesn't work good. Or I hate having to do that. Everything in this game does work well. I could see them adding more, which which is very selfish because this game already offers hundreds of hours of content. But I will say at our point, I think the production part is done. I don't think they need to add any new materials. I don't think they need to add any new recipes. I simply want them to give me more of a motivation to explore and I want to have more combat. So whether that's adding some dungeon type caves where you fight more enemies with a boss at the end i think that just takes the game into 
Mount Rushmore type status where it's one of those like top four games for a lot of people. That's honestly the only thing at this point that I would want to see. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, the exploration, it's a beautiful planet, right? Like, it's a huge planet. It's fun to, I mean, we spent hours trying to find where we were going to plop our new base down. And that's a lot of fun. But it's a shame that the exploration part isn't more important to the overall game. And I feel like they're working on that because there's some stuff that you find that even says, hey, this is a work in progress that leads you to think that they are going to enhance that part of the game. I'm with you, man. I I cannot recommend this game enough to people. Uh, there's people that have said, hey, we can't wait to, for you guys to play this. I, I mean, it's it's legit, man. Yeah. It does not need anything else. It's rather shocking that this game is in early access because it's already very well polished. Right now, the only real incentive to explore is that you can find these hard drives, which give you you know, uh, a secondary recipe to create something. And that's good. I mean, that's fun, but that's not enough of an incentive in the late game to keep exploring. Right. So yeah, well, we'll see what they add in that regard, but otherwise this game, uh, she's smart, beautiful, fun, (laughs) rich, like what, what rich, like, yeah. Like what, what else? Well-educated, you know, uh, you, you love her in-laws professional more than your own parents. Uh, like what Gordon else would Ramsey you want? quality chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cooks well. Yeah, like like there's it's it's a perfect match. Like this is this is, you know, marriage material all the way. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into the leaderboard and see oh. where this game stacks up. All right, Josh, for the listeners out there, if they are not aware of the leaderboard, you want to tell them what it is? So every game that we deep dive, we whether it's a single player or multiplayer, you know, part of the fun is we we put it on our leaderboard. We rank it up against every other game that we have uh, done a deep dive for. And so, yes, we get it. It's chaotic. How do you, you know, put some games up against other games? Like, how do you compare Overwatch to Resident Evil 8? You know, how do you compare Satisfactory to Overcooked? Um, that sort of thing. But it's fun to do. And we feel like it kind of gives a people like at a glance a an idea of, you know, how we feel about certain games. If you're ever looking for something to play with friends, check out the leaderboard because... I mean, if you're anywhere in the top 20, chances are these games are going to be pretty darn fun to play and you're going to have a good time doing it. Um, So, Paul, we just got done uh, saying how awesome we thought this game was. Um, It is a (laughs) multiplayer game. It does multiplayer very well, in my opinion. We've started putting some single player games on the leaderboard and those can be somewhat of a challenge. Um, I'm just going to say it, man. This is easily easily a top 10 game for me if not potentially top five yeah i was gonna say it's top 10 no question so i don't know if it's gonna reach top three i kind of feel like overwatch apex legends and rocket league for us have been pretty well cemented and then even rust at number four uh would you say it cracks the top four or do you think those are still set in stone here's the problem satisfactory is chill to play, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can take as much time as you want. You get all your mater- your materials back if you dismantle something. It's a very 
easy experience, right? Like you and I both said you lose hours at a time playing this game. But it does hit a point where you're like, it's starting to feel a little bit like work. I'm just kind of researching or building newer, more complex materials so that I can use those. Rust has that advantage of it's always going to be different from time to time. And PvP. And and the PvP aspect, you know. So I think that the online component of facing other people and you never know what's going to happen in the world of Rust helps that longevity. Mm-hmm. But Rust can tick you off, whereas Satisfactory is not really going <laughs> to aggravate you very much either. So I don't. I my my gut is that it doesn't beat out Rust, but it's close, man. Like <laughs> I, I'm definitely with you. Yeah, that's the thing that I think sets apart those first four. There is always something different and new to do. Whereas Satisfactory, once you research everything, it does have a little bit of that expiration date where there's just nothing left to discover at this point. And so you're just waiting for more content. As as far as PvE games go, this might be number one. You know, but the PvP element of those other games really do help. So... I would agree with you. It's not top four. So after those games, we've got five Valheim, six Outriders, seven Hearthstone, eight Divinity Original Sin 2. I think it's going to be somewhere in this chunk. It, it definitely is. Here, here's the way I look at it. Valheim or Satisfactory? I mean, I, we, I, that's exactly what I'm thinking. We absolutely loved Valheim. I mean, Valheim's amazing. They just released another update for it. They're still tweaking it. Man, I loved Valheim. Man, I love Satisfactory. Yeah. Like, which one's better? Like, can we have two number fives? Because if we could, <laughs> I'd say let's do it, man. But, I, you know, that's because a tough what, one for me. Like, what's the problem with Valheim? There's we none. just ran out of content. Right. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. Satisfactory. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. We just ran out of content. So, yeah, I think it's right there in that same category. Uh, if Outriders did not have all the bugs and all the issues, I would be tempted to maybe put this below Outriders. Outriders is so riddled with bugs. I think we just have to put it either directly above or directly below Valheim. So do we want to make it number five or do we want to make it number six? I want to make it number six. Here, here's Keep it why. below Valheim? I, I want to put it one below Valheim. It's really close for me, but Valheim, I feel, is more conducive to... I don't know. Oh, man. But see, the thing is, like, Valheim's not super fun solo. Like, you can have a good time solo. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But but then Satisfactory almost lends itself a little bit better to that solo play. Like, you don't get nearly as much done as fast, but you don't, you're not relying on friends to have fun. I mean, it's yeah. enhanced, right? I, <sighs> I think it should go below Valheim. Do you? Okay, let's Valheim, do that. Because that's kind Valheim, of what I'm leaning, but... Yeah, Valheim has... Far better exploration, far better combat, but then satisfactory, their bread and butter is just something that's different, right? It's almost more of of the crafting game, but it's got its own spin on crafting. But I kind of feel like Valheim does all those other parts already really well. So if Satisfactory beefs those things up when it officially releases, maybe we'll swap these in the future. But I'm inclined to say, let's let's make it number six right below Valheim and right above you. Outriders. I'm with you. Absolutely. That's a, it was, it's tough because I mean, we, we love Valheim and 
we love Satisfactory. I mean, that, people have been asking, right? They're like, man, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about Satisfactory. And we don't let on. <laughs> love like, it. That's one of the things. Yeah. We do not give people uh, any kind of clue as to what we think about a game. But there you go. I mean, it's top six on our leaderboard. And darn close to five. so much fun playing it, you know? Yeah, almost five. And it's one of those things where I had an absolute blast playing this game. It was really cool to be able to, you and I, just to, to be able to plan everything out and do all that stuff. I really hope for more content on it because it's one of those games I will jump back into in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. So I know this one definitely gets two thumbs up from me and Josh. And the game is $30. I mean, that's another part of <laughs> it. Like it. you, you can't get very many games that are better than this with a $30 price tag. It, this game could charge 60 and it would still be a steal. It, I, I would pay $60 for it easy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we highly recommend it. If you guys end up playing Satisfactory, let us know what you guys think. I did think it was funny that someone in our Discord did say, does anyone want to jump into Satisfactory with me? And I was like, dude, if you asked a week ago, <laughs> yeah, I would have I loved it so much. But I have played so much Satisfactory that just right now I'm kind of at my capacity. And you know, we'll just wait for some new content to, to play later. But man, is it a great game. Okay, so real quick, because I know we're going way long here. But if you went into somebody else's world at this point, and you looked at their factory, yeah, and it was like a hot mess, wouldn't you just look at it with this like super skeptical eye at this point? Oh yeah, like I almost feel like a satisfactory snob, right? Because I'm like, man, dude, I could I could make your factory eighty percent more efficient with like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the funny thing is that your factory will be efficient, but it'll also look nice. Mine will be organized chaos. Mine would look like a wreck, but it would be like, dude, just don't touch it. Just ask me. I know what that conveyor belt's doing. Like to me, it's I was always that kind of kid where my room was a mess, but I knew where everything was. And my satisfactory world looks exactly the same. It it looks bananas, but it will actually pump out and be rather efficient. But yes. yeah, we, we had slightly different ways of approaching things. Yep. All right. Well, you know, I'm so glad we were finally able to talk about Satisfactory. I know that our listeners have been dying to hear it. So, you know, just one more plea. I know that we talked about it at the beginning of the episode, but please consider supporting us, whether it's through Apple subscriptions or Patreon. You can do that at MultiplayerSquad.com. Either way, it'll help support the show. It'll help fund what we do. And you'll also get the bonus of getting those two extra episodes every week that are five-minute quick-take episodes. And also, you can check us out on social media at MultiplayerPod. And then Josh and I will be back on Thursday for This Week in Gaming. That was a very satisfactory episode, Paul. <laughs> very satisfactory. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll see you Thursday. All right. See you, everybody.